Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Wrestling fans of all ages, shapes, sizes, genders, and everything in between. It is time to go to war and be the cure for the Common Wrestling Podcast. Welcome to the revolution. Buzz, buzz, guys. My name is Kate Murphy. What's going on, everybody? This is Will Tarashek, the founder of the Kings of the Rings podcast. What's going on, guys? It is I, the one and only Quiet Riot himself, Zach, your host of the Young Lions Perspective. What's up, guys? This is the Monday Night Delight. Greetings, one and all. This is your Prime Minister speaking, your favorite Canadian Mr. Fret. Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Nate the Effing Great from the Game Changer Podcast. If you're looking for a network that keeps wrestling real, then you've come to the right place because you're listening to you are listening to you are listening to you are listening then you are listening. Get ready for a war because you're listening to what is going on, everybody. This is King Ricky Rose, your general manager, and you are listening to Wrestle Addict Radio. Now enjoy the show. Are you ready? Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to change the landscape of podcasting as you know it in professional wrestling. This is the Game Changer Podcast. Featuring the greatest asset to come out of Canada, the legendary Mr. As well as featuring yours truly, the game changer, Nate the Effin Great. time ladies and gentlemen if you're ready let's do this the following contest is scheduled for one fall please welcome mr freds
ladies and gentlemen, celebrating five years as a podcaster, Nate the Effin' Great! Okay, so other than that little hiccup, honestly, I thought that was pretty good for a starting deal. I mean, we got our introductions by the one and only Lillian Garcia and Mike Rome. Shout out to those two, because they're absolutely awesome. Welcome to this edition of the Game Changer Podcast, the Monday NyQuil edition, where the big boys play with each other, and so many great matches that are going to be coming up here. We got Gerald Briscoe versus Pat Patterson on a Viagra on a pole match, the main event being a Texas Walker match, meaning they're going to be beating each other so bad with their walkers, it's going to be insane. It's going to be the Huckster, the Nacho Man, and Skeen Gene battling against each other, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, I'm done. Welcome to this edition, ladies and gentlemen. I am Nate the Great, joined here by probably the emotionally scarred, everybody's favorite friendly hood neighborhood Canadian, Mr. Fretz. Oh, 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 oh okay, that, that's finally the NyQuil uh, oh, wearing off. Hi, uh, Mr. Fretz here, and uh, what intro could go with a bit of that, a little bit of a uh, Coors here. And a little bit of Dominion going on in front of me on mute. That's a heck of a week. I'm tired. How are you, buddy? Honestly, it's been a crazy week here, too. I mean, it's only going to get even more crazy because tomorrow I got the wedding rehearsal for my friend's wedding. And then the wedding is on Saturday. Uh, thankfully, I went in and got my uh, tuxedo uh, picked up and everything fits. So that's good. Uh, I did. I did mention that the pants were a little bit, a little bit snug in certain areas. But I said, you know what? I'm not going to be doing like crazy dance moves, so it's fine. They were like, "Oh, are you sure?" No, it's it's cool. I'm not going to, I'm not going to bust a rhyme or do like the electric slide or something like that. That'd be a good way to end the night, though. But just, I just. How, how many people can they have, Nate? Is uh, what's your uh, maximum occupancy for for this thing? There's going to be just a few dude, people. Or how is this going to work, dude? I I didn't even think about that. Um, honestly, I think that you'll know as soon as I know, as soon as I probably post something up, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll be the first one to know. I will tell you that right now, because honestly, I, I just don't know. I know that they're still probably going to be having the whole, well, only certain people can get into this gathering and blah, blah, blah. You know, I, I just don't know. We're in the time where we, where we could have fun, just, you know, being able to do crazy shit together, but unfortunately, with a certain uh, disease going around, it's a little bit tougher to do, but we're not going to talk about that. We're not going to harp out about the Backstreet Boy re- Boys reunion. For those of you that watch Game Grumps, take a shot if you enjoyed the reference. <laughs> yes! <laughs> you, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I uh, what did I just watch? The Mario, their Mario Party series. It's oh, like, geez. hey, the Backstreet Boys reunion kind of s- just kind of sucks right now. And actually, there was one point where uh, Aaron actually did say um, 
what the what the re- real thing was, but they they tape they uh, recorded over with just Backstreet Boys reunion t- tour. So all you heard was like, "Shut your effing trap." You know what it's like to have a party during the Backstreet Boys reunion tour. <laughs> oh my gosh, I loved it. <laughs> and guys, I can tell you this right now. I already told Fretz we're going to be adding some new content to this show. Some of it might be cringeworthy. Some of it's going to be funny. We'll just let you guys be the judge after listening to it. But like I mentioned before, we're talking about Monday Nitro. Actually, WCW's Patriarch thus. This beautiful bit of a disaster. I only say that because of 2000-2001 time. But we'll get to talk about that a little bit later on during the show. But honestly, Nitro came about because of a meeting with uh, Eric Bischoff and and, uh, Ted Turner. Basically, Eric Bischoff was talking about a lot of these things that were going on with the business. And then uh, Ted Turner was like, ah, Eric, ah. What do we gotta do to uh, compete with WWE? And Bischoff was like, um, uh, uh, "Oh, give me, give me prime time." And how they said was that uh, Ted looked at Eric, he looked at Scott, he looked at Eric, and he's just like, "Scott, give Eric Bischoff two hours on Monday nights on TNT." It's like, "Oh, well, that happened." And their premiere episode was at the Mall of America of all of all places, Mall of America. That's Pretty intense to have a premiere episode. Yeah, it's a weird place. And uh, are you aware of the existence of Pasta Mania, Nate? Pasta Mania? Yeah, so I think it was just at this particular particular mall uh, that's in Minneapolis. There was a kiosk there, like a little food court kiosk that was inspired by Hulk Hulk Hogan. I'm just going to uh, Google it here while while I'm vamping, but it was, as it says, a pasta place, a la Hulk Hogan. Uh, Pasta, okay, no, this is a, no, I'm not looking for the fast food restaurant chain in Singapore. Uh, That's funny. (laughs) But, but anyways, to, 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 to um, plug Nitro, uh, Hulk Hogan opened this Pasta Mania place. Okay, here it is. Grand opening Pasta Mania, quick serve pasta restaurant. And uh, that was free delivery anywhere in the mall. How big is this place? It has to do free delivery. But yeah, it, it ended up in a mall and uh, we had a, you know, a special guest turn up. For for the for the nitro, who was that? My good sir, Mister Fretz, would that be the uh, Hulk Hogan knockoff uh, Lex Luger? Uh, yes, that would be Superman's villain Lex Luthor. Uh, oh, yeah, <laughs> That's I, awesome. I believe it was during either the opening match or the main event. There was a U.S. title match between Ric Flair and Sting, which I've actually watched. Uh, not a bad match. And you just see Lex Luger just saunter up to the ring. Uh, he had just left the WWE. And he, he appeared on Raw like the week or two before this uh, as part of... No, he was not part of the Allied Powers because the British Bulldog turned heel. And Lex Luger did... He, I'm trying to figure out 
if he appeared at SummerSlam. I can't remember. I think he did. But he was on his way out, and he appeared on... Hey, get the camera off that guy! He doesn't work here! And trying to play it off, and... You're gonna be like, hey, this is where the big boys play, huh? Well, how about one of your former world champions in Lex Luger? It is, it is crazy. I'm actually just looking at the... Uh like the results for this, uh, for, for this you know first episode of Monday, Monday Nitro. Uh, so we had a dark match between the American Males, Mar- Marcus Alexander Bagwell and Scotty Riggs defeating yes. Bunkhouse Buck and Dick Sl- <laughs> Dick Slater with <laughs> with Colonel Colonel Robert Parker. Oh man, this is this is already turning into an amazing show. Uh, we had Flying Brian defeating Fusion Thunder Liger. Matt Props to the future WWE Hall of Famer. Uh, Get in. Yep, we had uh, Sting defeating Ric Flair by disqualification to retain the uh, WCW United States Championship, which is where Lex Luger made his grand appearance. And then, oh dear lord, this is going to be one of the most interesting main events of all time. Hulk Hogan with Jimmy Hart defeating Big Bubba Rogers to to retain the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. Huh. That sounds kind of familiar. Didn't they have a match somewhere a few years before, possibly for another title? Yeah, WCW, I think... I mean, this was WWF Redux, because you had Hogan versus The Shark around this time, and The Shark is, of course, Earthquake, and you reminded me of the existence of American males. Uh, Scott Cavaliero, this one's for you. Oh my god, no. Get this shit off, no, turn it off. Oh my god. Uh, oh, Scott, if you heard this, I'm going to send this one to you. Oh. Greatest tag team in WCW history uh, said no one ever except Scott Cut the Arrow. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. But WCW, I think, around the time Hogan came in, is also the time that they kind of turned, a, t- turned uh, a bit of a tide here. They got prime time. They got Hogan. They got, you know, Macho Man came in uh, a year previous to this. So... They had all the chips in their favor, but they were kind of booking what already worked in WWE, which I'll give them credit for. But you gotta, you know, maybe, excuse me, not recycle these whole things, right? I mean, by the time they got closer to, you know, Hogan's, you know, quote-unquote epic rematch with uh, Ultimate Warrior, where he had that moment where he's just talking through a, uh, like, a headlight. He's going. This is not the Ultimate Warrior, brother. <laughs> it's just. Oh my gosh! This is the Renegade. It's like, okay. This also shout out to Brian Zane for bringing that up because that was uh, that was interesting. But yeah, it just comes a point where you recycle so much of what was very popular that people are going to be like, well, gee, I wonder what's going to happen next. Oh, this is going to happen. Yeah, we've seen this before. We want something different. We want something new, uh, which also does kind of key into one of the turning points of 
uh, Nitro as well as for WCW. We mentioned this actually a couple weeks prior. We talked about this faction, the formation of the NWO. Scott Hall, he came to WCW Nitro to basically invade, and he's basically say, saying, you know why I'm here. No, it's like, you know who I am, but you don't know why I'm why here. here. And then later we had Kevin Nash come involved, and they're saying, like, hey, we got a third guy. We're going to whoop everybody's ass. Who would that be? It's Stick. Nope, it's going to be Hulk Hogan. What? No, he's a baby face. He's a baby. <gasps> Hogan just, like, dropped Macho Man. You son of a bitch. How dare you? And, of course, we got the transition from Hulk Hogan, the real American, to Hollywood Hulk Hogan, one of the biggest pricks in all of wrestling. I mean, you just see how he gets so confident in all of his promos. You, It's literally one of those things where it's like, I want to punch this dude in the face. It's like, that's good, because that's the reaction that they were going for. They wanted you to, have, to hate Hulk Hogan and the Outsiders as the NWO. Of course, we talked in deep depth about NWO and all the... Uh, ups and downs that they've had, so definitely check out the previous episode that we did for that. But yeah, Hulk Hogan and the NWO was another turning point for WCW Nitro, because everybody was seeing this hostile takeover by these men, and then eventually people joined, and the NWO got bigger, and then the fans were just like, yay, these guys are awesome, these are like the anti-heroes, and blah blah blah, that kind of deal. Yeah, it uh, it was great at first. Like everyone and their mom joined the NWO and wanted to join the NWO. I mean, you started off with just Hogan Hall and Nash, and then Ted DiBiase, somebody else, and then Six, aka X Pac. And yes, the reason why they called him Six was because he was the sixth member of the group. Eventually, oh. though. Nice pun. Yeah, it was it was a very good pun, very good pun game by by Bischoff or whoever named him there. I thought he was but, called six because he had six moves. Ha ha. Yeah. Oh, don't you dare be smart, Jack Spock, like that. Bro. <laughs> Walt, Walt, Waltman's better than that. I mean, that, that's not. He, he he's not. This isn't John Cena didn't join the NWO. Oh no, I wasn't oh, saying. Wait, yes, he did, or did he? <laughs> I wasn't trying to say like he only has six moves. I was trying to be like like sick move, but obviously. That was just bad wordplay on my part. Well, there was a wrestler in the flock called Sick Boy, so maybe you got confused. Oh, that's <laughs> right. What wasn't he the guy that walked around with like a giant ba- bag of ice on his head? He had a blanket on, had like a thermometer always coming out of his mouth. Oh, that's why they was called Sick Boy. And I think I was trying to think: Did he have an eye patch? No, that's when Scotty Riggs from the American Males joined oh. joined, the, joined the flock. Yeah, the flock had some. We he had he had Lodi, who was just basically sign guy <laughs> Dudley. Lodi, you, that's you had, I, I can't remember if Lenny Lane joined it, but Lenny Lane and Lodi were a tag team in WCW. And how how do I put this delicately? Uh, in one word, homophobia. Oh jeez. So I I don't want to cover that. I mean, I am wearing a rainbow shirt today, so you know I want to speak as an ally to the community. This is a. Uh, the Queen Bee's uh, Pride Month shirt finally came in the mail today, so shout out to Kate to Kate Murphy. Yeah, we're, for, for that one. I was I was gonna say we're definitely gonna have to take like a snapshot photo for that because you're representing that. I'm wearing my uh, Raging Dead Nathan Gus shirt. 
Uh, I definitely do want to talk a little bit about the uh, ACW show, but I'll do that later on when we're done talking about Nitro. Uh, I think another factor with WCW Nitro was the fact that they did have some different TV to it. Because WWF, they still were kind of, hey, on the fact that we have these characters and we're just kind of doing these like weird random storylines. And, you know, some people were slowly starting to get pick up steam, like Undertaker, Austin, uh, Shawn Michaels was slowly starting to kind of reach that peak to the point where he kind of overjumped just a little bit. Um, but also... For WCW, they not only had you know NWO, but they also had a very strong undercard. So many great athletes in there. But one of the main ones, one of the main attractions that they had that really helped them was the cruiserweight division. So many fast-paced guys, so many high-flying antics. You look at so many of those cruiserweights. You know, Fusion Thunder Liger, we already talked about him. Uh, Ultimo Dragon, they also had... Had Billy Kidman, Rey Mysterio, Juventud Guerrera, so many people that made that division just can't miss. And it's one of those things that, you know, WCW did a great job. They had one brand in NWO, but they also tried to have another brand with WCW. It's like, okay, NWO is kind of taken over, but we also need to kind of have a little bit of a mixture of something else involved with that. You throw in these guys that are literally just flying everywhere, that are literally just fast pace, really entertaining the crowd, it does kind of create a different kind of environment that WWF fans are kind of like, well, we've seen this kind of stuff. Then they go, I think Eric Bischoff said it best, is that they were they, for WWF fans, they're kind of watching this, and then WCW just started making like this loud racket, and fans are just like, ooh, I like that. And they go over to WCW, and for the longest time, for 80 plus weeks, they were slaughtering WWE in ratings. It was insane. Yeah, it was. And, you know, things like the cruiserweights were, and the NWO were a giant factor in it. I was trying to write, I just wrote down a bunch of matches. I'd kind of go sequentially through uh, th- through everything here. Oh, hi, there's a, there's a recording call going on there. Excuse me for a second. <laughs> So I wrote down some really, really good cruiserweight matches that I'm just going to say you have to go and seek out for yourself on the network. Uh, And I can't tell you where. I didn't do any timestamps or anything here. I just wrote stuff down as I remembered. Uh, I didn't get Nitro in Canada until about maybe 98, 99, somewhere in there. Uh, TSN used to... um, air Nitro replays Wednesday afternoons. So as soon as I get home from school, hey, there's there's Nitro, so I could I could watch this. Um, so I'll start off with Eddie versus Chavo in a hair versus hair match. Oh, I remember that match. I think it's from about 98. And That's Chavo was kind of going a little bit loco and having a... a remember his friggin' uh, a horse on a stick called Pepe? Oh my gosh, that was great. I, I also remember the... Uh, fact that Chavo had two matches at uh, Bash at the Beach. He had a matchup against uh, Stevie Ray where he uh, lost the most devastating handshake of all time, which was amazing. <laughs> I almost spit my beer. Uh, Ray versus Eddie. Pick, pick Eddie, but Halloween Havoc uh, 97. 
I think ninety seven. Yeah, whichever one it was, where where Ray had that big, like head to toe purple question mark Riddler Joker outfit, and when he did that damn backflip DDT, which I want in the next wrestling games. I, it was in SmackDown versus Raw two thousand nine. I made it my finisher, and I haven't seen it since. Yeah, it's honestly one of those things where uh, WWE needs to pick up their slack when it comes to wrestling games. And if you think that I'm making this shit up, check out their most recent game that they are coming out with. Yikes. Ugh, man. It makes WWE 2K20 look look like Fire Pro Wrestling. By the way, if you have a PS4, get Fire Pro Wrestling, get all the DLC. It's amazing. Uh, I have Liger. I wrote down Liger and Pillman in here. I think Liger probably had a match with Rey Mysterio, which uh, I I will change my pants here. Uh, (laughs) Ultimo Drake. I'll give you something here. Uh, I'll give you a sneak preview because I'm going to... I won't be covering... Uh, Dominion in depth. I suggest listening to the Young Lions perspective for that. But I was watching a little bit of Dominion earlier. I had to turn it off because my bandwidth was getting all wacky. Now I have hockey replays. Uh, Ultimate Dragon versus someone who wrestled at Dominion this week. Yuji Nagata. Wow. Jeez. Yeah. Yuji Nagata is still wrestling. I mean, Dick Togo from Kaintai turned up. At this show, did he, did, um, did he have, have that, did he have that uh, music from WWF? The dun, 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 dun. He did not come out to the to the uh, Kyantai indeed theme. Oh. Sadly, uh, we had I had here the entire feud of Chris Jericho and Dean Malenko, and yes, yes. <laughs> this is where the list comes into play. Uh, you know, I have a felt like Dean Malenko. You call yourself the man of a thousand holds. I am the man of a thousand and four holds, and they are as follows. <laughs> and he was also really slagging off uh, Dean's uh, father, Boris, I think who died during this feud. Oh. So he was really good for us. <laughs> like, wow. I'm gonna, I am going to verify this <laughs> when he actually died. Uh, th- but, uh, this was also the, uh, the dawning of conspiracy theory, Jericho, the, when, he lost, when he lost his title. And he's basically just going to Washington. He's in the like the, the hall of like laws, like oh, there's got to be a law about you know battle royals and shit like that. And he's just talking to people like Dean Malenko was not in the match. He had a mask on, just doing all this kind of stuff. It's like oh my god, this is where Jericho was just slowly flourishing into the, one of the best stars ever. And then he uh, he had a feud with Goldberg, which went nowhere. And I don't even. Well, I slightly blame Goldberg for that because he went he went fishing when they were supposed to have like a pay per view match. I think it was. So, damn it! I read that book. It's it's great. Brett's just showed me the the uh, Lion's Tail book and uh, Undisputed. He's ba- he's basically rubbing in the face that he's got one more book Jericho book than I do. Uh, I I've only I'm almost done Lion's Tail. And it's a fantastic read. Uh, sadly, it only goes to his final days in WCW, and I'm just there. But if I can go uh, get a little bit more cruiserweight uh, action going on here and recommend some more. Uh, well, for one thing, when Dean Malenko returned, uh, Boris Malenko died in 94, so he'd been dead for years at, at the point Chris Jericho was slagging him off. Okay. Uh, 
So there is this number one contender gauntlet or battle royal or something, and there is a luchador in WCW called Seco Play. Seco Play. Uh, like kind of a cyclops. Oh, okay. Uh, and Seco Play uh, one unmasks, and of course it's Dean Malenko in like the makeup and the mask, and that kicked that kicked more of their feud off. But Chris Jericho and Rey Mysterio had some stuff. And although late area WCW is terrible, and uh, Mance, I know you're living proof of it because you reviewed most of it. <laughs> I don't blame you for skipping the last few months, along with the Gifted Podcast. But you had this a trios feud in 2000 involved these two groups named Three Count, a boy band gimmick right in the middle of the boy band craze, uh, with Evan Courageous. Shane and the Hurricane Helms and Shannon Moore going up against the Young Dragons, a Japanese-inspired gimmick where I think only two of them were Japanese. Uh, Jamie Noble, yes, that Jamie Noble in a mask. Uh, Kaz Hayashi and Jimmy slash Akio Wang Yang. Wow. Uh, also, also of the Flying Elvises from TNA. Watch, watch some, watch some of that. They put on some of the best cruiserweight matches in 2000. I mean, you had you had Elix Skipper. I'm Skipper-ing ahead a little bit here, but Elix Skipper reigned as the 100 kilograms and under champion, a.k.a. the Canadian cruiserweight champion. Uh, we don't use kilos up here. At least I don't think we do. At least my version of Canada doesn't, have, doesn't go with that metric. But I'm skipping ahead to a Team Canada thing, which I'll talk about a lot, a lot later here. But... <laughs> Do you wonder why? You had, you had all these amazing things on the undercard, but it was only subjected to the undercard and WCW Saturday night. So you had, like, let's just say that the pay difference between a guy like Rey Mysterio and a guy like Kevin Nash was thousands of dollars. Like, oh, who are here to see? WCW? Are you here to see the NWO survey says? One more for the bad guys. Yeah, everyone was there for the NWO, even even me, but I even I was in there for the like the cruiserweights, the undercurrent, and they had a, a strong TV slash US title picture with guys like uh William Regal, uh Name Redacted, uh, Ric Flair, the rest of the Horsemen, except Steve Mungle McMichael. Like Jeff Jarrett was in and out of WCW for, for a while. So you had a strong undercard. This was the resurgence of guys like Booker T. Sting was in there helping put over that division. You know, Bret Hart made his way over there at some point, which we'll actually get to a bit later. But you had a strong undercard and a strong, really strong uh Made event card, and it was WCW was a great was a great place to to watch. Loved it. It was, and one of the things that made it better was the fact that it was live, which Eric Bischoff definitely used that to his advantage. One of the things oh, that man. he mentioned mentions in the documentary is the fact that he says, "Okay, so we're live, and WWF is taped. People don't know what about what our show's going to be like, but we could tell them." what they are going to be seeing on the competition steel. 
And they did it so much that they actually had a point where they would actually get onto TV before Nitro even happened and before Raw even happened, where they said... 7.57. They just decided, hey, we're going to tell you guys the results of WWF because we want because we want to be heads up on the competition. And that was another reason why people were really kind of being like, okay, well, this is kind of... Thing, yeah. Nothing really too crazy here. There might be a match or two where people are just kind of like, <coughs> I'll at least watch that. But um, a lot of matches that they probably had going on during that time was like, nothing really too too interesting. Let's see what let's see what Nitro has. Let's see what Nitro has. For the longest time, like I said, about eighty plus weeks of being the top wrestling show for a long time, and the only reason why it was broken was because of the fact that. WWE realized, okay, we need to do something different. And how did they do that? They brought in Austin McMahon. And from there, it was kind of one of those things where we started seeing the back and forth deal between WWF and WCW trading blows. Uh, Some crucial points where we saw WCW wins was the the, uh, reformation of the Four Horsemen, where they had Guys like Dean Malenko, uh, Arn Anderson, uh, uh, I have to mention his name, uh, Chris Benoit. They had all these people coming in here paying their homage. And it was also the return of Ric Flair, who was so passionate about WCW. He was he was Mr. WCW. A lot of people might say, oh, I think more of like Sting or Hogan or something like that. It's like, no, Ric Flair was the guy who literally took WCW and just carried it on his back every single day, 24-7, 365. He was Mr. WCW. And there was no more proof of that than his promo that he cut with the reformation of the uh, Four Horsemen. And also, it showed the disdain that Flair had for Eric Bischoff, because I, I still remember where he basically is just telling, You suck! You, I hate your guts! You are a liar, you're a cheat, you're a scab, you are a no-good son of a bitch. The only way Ric Flair can say it. And I also love the the iconic line of, Fire me! I'm already fired! Fire me! I'm already fired! Just one of those things where it's like, Ric Flair can be just a gem in the world of wrestling. And this was one of those gems, I believe. Because he could be very passionate about whatever promo that he wants, and then he can just be a spitfire cannon. With a tear <laughs> in my eye, this is the greatest night. Oh, wrong, Ric Flair promo. Did you see the NWO parody of this same promo uh, weeks after the fact? I did not, actually. So you had TX versus The Nation except with no blackface. <laughs> but it was... Members of the, yeah, yeah. Look that up now, folks. It's a... Yeah, I know. It's a little... Jason Sensation dressed as Owen Hart is the only... <laughs> um, what's the... Right for 2020? <laughs> uh, it was never right, but anyways. <laughs> yeah, moving on from that awkward one. Uh, the horse... The, God, the NWO dressed up as members of the Horsemen. I think, like, Nash was um, Flair, and uh, Six Pack was, like, Arn Anderson, and, like, they were, like, 
making themselves cry, like probably having like the, you know, like the fake Hogan tears that Hogan put on himself when Andre, you know, challenged him to the match and ripped off the cross. Yeah. Or they made, or, or because the spotlights, like this friggin' ceiling fan in front of me, the spotlights in the wrestling ring are hot as balls. So you're in there and you're, that's why IRS, we were looking at like a 94 match and IRS just sweat like that. That's me. <laughs> that's me the second I step foot outside is I'm just, oh, time to change my shirt, just like that. But yeah, they, they dressed as that and they were like mocking the crying and mocking the, oh, I love you so much. I just do that whole uh, uh, parody thing. And they, they did it to a T. Uh, I thought it was funny because, of course, I, as I said, I was an NWO guy. I didn't really appreciate the horsemen until like, after WCW like left or until they had well I'll say and you know, I've said it before like Ben Wall was one of, was one of my favorite wrestlers up until the up until his his end and that started in WCW when he started having that feud with Kevin Sullivan and then when he was in the Horsemen and then like his his tag team championship run with oh, who was he a tag team champion with in WCW. Uh, Perry Saturn, I think. Like, oh, okay. He had a, a, champ, yeah, a championship run with Saturn, and he was always in the U.S. and TV title picture. Like one, one of the matches I just wrote down here for recommends, I'm just going to say it now, was in 1999, Bret Hart versus Chris Benoit in the Owen Hart tribute match oh, that took gosh. place in the Kemper Arena, the same arena where Owen d- tragically died. And they... They're, they're both they're like bawling their eyes out like wrestling this match and and they just had it um, they did it for Owen but it was kind of eerie that it was in Kansas City but that was like what made it special so uh, yeah that but that um, one of the many times I think the uh, NWO kind of took the piss out of uh, people on, on the card. I, I swear they probably like would have dressed up like J.J. Dillon or made fun of him. J.J. Dillon, which ironically, he's one of the founding members of the Horsemen, was WCW's like commissioner, if you will. However, with creative control and Eric Bischoff, Bischoff was kind of the guy that would always twist the knife just a little bit and be like, aha, like, kind of like Vince McMahon and uh, HBK. HBK at WrestleMania one year is like, ah, like, hey, there's only one man who can appoint a special guest referee at WrestleMania, and that man is not you. It's the Heartbreak Kid. <laughs> and Bischoff that. was kind of like that to Dylan, <laughs> in a way. <laughs> it's not. Although I think that if anybody could do it even better and more douchey, it would be Eric Bischoff. But one of the other points you mentioned is the fact that uh, WCW definitely tried to bring a lot of the talent from WWF, especially ones that were very disgruntled, over to uh, their company. And they even plucked people from uh, ECW at the time. Some people might say, like, well, ECW wasn't really that impactful. It's like, I disagree. I think ECW, on all honesty, if we could compare, Rob would have been Rob, uh, WCW would have been, like, SmackDown, and ECW would have been NXT, what it, what, what it is today. Because it was all three different kinds of deals, but also a little bit similar. But at the same time, they also did offer a different kind of content that people were very interested in seeing. Um, 
But again, WCW had a very bad habit of just picking up guys that they had had done their run in WWE. Now they're getting a fresh run in WCW. They had, you know, we mentioned before, they had Hogan, they had Savage, they brought in Piper, they brought in Brett, and some of these guys, yeah, they were really, you know, making, making, breaking banks and everything like that. They were making this deal. And there was an argument that, you know, no true stars were really made. Although, some people can make the claim that there was actually one guy that what was a made star during that deal. Well, actually, actually, there was probably like three that I would definitely mention. Uh, Mr. Fred's definitely gave me the gesture of what one of them, that being Diamond Dallas Page. I will definitely agree with that. Um, the other one is the resurgence of Sting because he was always kind of like the surfer boy. He was just kind of very colorful, and then we got the we got the Crow Sting where he just came out in black and white, and his face paint was very reminiscent of the movie The Crow. Very great. Uh, the third one, of course, being Goldberg. This was a guy who literally we talked about last week, where he was a guy who just came out, beat up people, and then left. And that was all he really needed to be. But then once they lost that, unfortunately, that shine on him, it ended up being a situation where it was kind of... T- Turning back, defaulting to what was working at the first in the first place, that being the older guys, and that being unfortunately the NWO. So that was where we started seeing the wheels slowly coming off for the momentum of WCW. Yeah, that that was about uh, the last time I think they even had a shot was when they could have done something good. And they didn't. And that was just simply finger poke right there. As I said before, the same night Mick Foley wins the WWE title and Siobhan, and Schiavone gives it away, you idiot. They, they, they pulled this crap and then that's when people, uh, okay, like P- Peter Griffin in the movie theater. Done. That's it. Although Nitro, I think, had a couple of good moments after that. Uh, one, I'll, I'll get to the, this one later. But it's a, I, I really didn't write a lot of stuff down just for this. Like I actually just remembered, uh, this is going to when they were still you know, good, uh, Medusa throwing the belt in a bin live oh on TV, gosh, the, yes. the WWE Women's title. And she does the same thing with a 24-7 title last year. Because why not? Uh all the beat down, but the thing is, the when when the NWO was hot and all these beat downs, like they felt real. Especially that one I just watched was it like the best of Nitro on the network, and you had the NWO backstage, like lawn darting Rey Mysterio into a production truck, beating the piss out of everybody, and just going to town on it. And Hogan, of course. Doing the whole, as far as I'm concerned, the Hulk of Maniacs of the world can stick it, brother. And you had, you had, you had a heck of a run from there. <laughs> but but Hogan, it, still in WCW, you know the whole thing we hear on Bruce Pritchard's podcast. You know Hogan must pose, pal. Uh, we still saw a little bit of that in WCW because. At the end of almost every show until about mid-97, the NWO stood tall. But that was because they were built to be this strong, unstoppable force. Enter Sting. 
It was Sting. It was was I think he was injured in '96, and then he just sat out, or they were slow burning. And by slow burning, I mean slow cooker on on one setting for for Sting versus Hogan. The same way I think they, unpopular opinion, they should have done Goldberg Goldberg Hogan. They should have waited that one out until Starcade '98. It'd be hard, but I think it it would have been the best thing to do. You had they stood tall, and then all of a sudden the lights would go out. You just see the spotlight in the distance. Sting, you know, pointing there with the bat, like your next Hogan, and they managed to kind of screw that up too. Because like I don't want to review Starcade '97, but I kind of want to watch it again just for morbid curiosity because I've heard enough podcasts covering it. I used to have it on VHS, but I think I lobbed it out years and years ago. If we get into some best matches, I have like a list ready to roll here for like best matches for Nitro and some more moments, but these are moments that will, that are towards the end that are still good in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so we definitely still have that momentum building up with you know Nitro until one fateful day where unfortunately Eric Bischoff gets sent home. Basically, they see that the ratings are kind of lowering and that Raw is kicking their asses. So basically, they're saying, well, I think the main problem is going to be Eric Bischoff. We need to bring somebody else into the fray that might benefit into this deal. And who do they bring in for this deal? Oh my goodness, it's the uh, heart attack of one James E. Cornette, as well as the one reason that he's going to keep living, as he's mentioned before, to piss on his grave before he dies. The one and only Vince Russo. These were tough times in WCW. Because in WWF, when he was in creative, he at least had somebody telling him, you know, you know, this is not a good idea, we're not really going to do this way, it's not going to work out that well. But here in WCW, he's the head honcho guy. He's going to be the one that's basically saying, well, my ideas are going to go through. And so many people were probably thinking, like, oh, this this could actually be good. Some of the WWF's success is going to come here. Unfortunately, uh, what do we get mostly? We got a lot of stuff on pole matches, including uh, Pinata one, uh... A Buff Bagwell on a pole match. Buff Bagwell's mom on a pole match. The fucking... Oh, boy. The um, Ed Ferrara, Jim Ross deal. Well, actually, he was called Oklahoma. Which, oh, boy. That was uh, that was rough. Uh, I think uh, Bash at the Beach. Not, was it 99, 2000? The... Uh, one of the tougher events to get through, because as Vince Russo has said, he said, we had a plan, bro. We're basically going to have this happen, bro, and then what's going to happen, bro, is that we're going to have Booker T win this, bro, and it's going to be really awesome, bro. Did that end up happening? No, because Vince decided to go off script, and uh, he pissed off Hogan, which was not the best idea because he basically walks away with your biggest accomplishment in WCW, that being the WCW Heavyweight Championship. 
And, yeah. Uh, from there, it just did not get any better. Even if they tried to bring Eric Bischoff back, this thing was just slowly just melting before our very eyes. Uh, it was. And, and, and before we go any further, I, I think anyone who is a longtime wrestling fan knows that shitty TV did not kill WCW. It was the Turner AOL merger. And Turner was like, you know what? I don't want wrestling anymore. Uh, uh, don't look at it in 2020 eyes because uh, of obviously elite reasons. But it, the, the bloom was definitely off the rose by this point. But I do have a couple of moments from late Nitro, at least that I really, really liked. We had one. It was a confrontation between Bret Hart and Bill Goldberg on a Nitro in in Toronto, I think in about March or April of 2000. You had Goldberg, Goldberg speared Bret Hart in the ring, and then both guys were down for seemingly like an eternity. I'm like, okay, what happened here? Why are they both hurt? Goldberg speared a guy, and then Bret, who's wearing a Maple Leafs jersey, a tight only Maple Leafs jersey, by the way, one of my favorite players of all time, he slowly kind of gets up from under Goldberg. He gets up, takes off the jersey to reveal, like, a chest plate of, of a suit of armor. And that was one of the, I think, one of the last big good moments in WCW. However, I have to add another one, and it's just a storyline that I enjoyed for, well, for Canadian reasons. And you're going to hear... Yes, it is Team Canada in, in WCW, despite the fact there was only two actual Canadians in the group. And those being Lance Storm and PCO. Yeah, look it up. PCO was on Team Canada in WCW. Who, who'd have thunk it? So, at, I think it was New Blood Rising, which replaced Hogwild in August of 2000, which I'm going to get into in the 20 Bell Salute next month. Cheap plug. Uh, it took place in Vancouver, BC, Canada, and Lance Storm won the United States title. And then after the fact, I think either at that show he beat somebody who was the hard. He, he no, he collected belts. He started off with the Canadian U, U.S. Championship, and then he won the Cruiserweight Championship, which he rechristened the. <clears throat> 100 kilograms and under championship. Uh, we use pounds here in Canada. I weigh a certain amount of pounds. I'm not going to tell you how fat I am, but <laughs> which was funny. And then Mike, and then he gifted that title to Elix Skipper. Yes, primetime Elix Skipper in WCW. And then he wins the Hardcore Championship, which he christens the. Saskatchewan International Hardcore Championship. That almost smells a certain word. And then, of course, Lance Storm with a big Canadian flag on the U.S. title. He had Hacksaw Jim Duggan join Team Canada, the biggest American patriot outside of Hogan, which even I didn't like that. And I am a proud patriotic Canadian. I am the Jim Duggan of Canada, if you will. <laughs> I, and they gave him a haircut. 
I hated it. And, like, I love Jim Duggan. This isn't you, dude. You're being brainwashed, or I think he was forced to join Team Canada. Uh, major guns from the Misfits in Action. Uh, don't actually Google what she does now. Uh, I'll tell you off air, Nate. Uh, you can probably tell. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, that. Um, yeah, she, she was forced to join the group. So you had... I appreciate it because I like how we always had, like, Oh Canada playing. It was even his theme song. Precursor to TNA. Uh, shout out to Slammiversary this weekend. I'm kind of yeah. excited. But, but you had... PCO, who was in the group for a cup of coffee, and Mike Awesome. They're Team Canada. Okay, now, Team Canada on the final Nitro is Mike Awesome and Lance Storm. But Mike Awesome's American. They're Team Canada. But Mike Awesome's American. They're Team Canada, bro. But I, 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 but I thoroughly enjoyed it just for those reasons. The same reasons I enjoyed TNA's Team Canada. And I want that TN... A E H shirt. Uh, if anyone has that, <laughs> let me know, bro. Oh man, love it. Absolutely love it. Ah oh, man. So we're gonna go into our final thoughts on WCW because we definitely did discuss the final Nitro as well as the, the merger between uh, Raw and uh, Nitro a little bit late, a little bit uh, a little while back. We definitely talked about that. But uh, Nitro itself was definitely one of those companies that folded under its own success because of the fact that there was so much that they could have done more. There were so many other things that they could have done to really just capitalize off the momentum. If they did not focus so heavily on NWO and maybe you know took a little bit more care of their stars, honestly, Chris Jericho could have been a WCW heavyweight champion in 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 their company's history, not under the WWF brand, but under the WCW brand, uh, so many other people could have definitely done a lot more. Honestly, given given a little more time, a young Rey Mysterio maybe competing against somebody like you know a Kevin Nash or even a Sting. Oh my gosh, Rey Mysterio versus Sting in oh. those times that would have been that would have been great. Just see, seeing all these things just take place. But unfortunately, like I said, it got to a point where they were so high up on a pedestal that the only place to go was unfortunately down. And whether that was booking, whether that was the merger between AOL and Ted Turner Broadcasting, it was one of those things where the writing was soon on the wall around the time that they decided to bring in Vince Russo, but can't entirely blame everything on Russo because the fact is who hired him in the first place? Well, whoever was running WCW at the time. And what ends up happening that from there is kind of more on the person who hired Vince Russo's fault. So it's one, it's one of those things where you know, WCW was still just this huge empire and for the longest time was the number two rep number two wrestling show. It, it was even arguably number one for a long time. But, again, it got so high and it got so big that it got crushed by its own success and then also became its own worst enemy. Yeah, that's... 
That sounds about right. Although it, it, the, the merger did did all the the heavy lifting for for its end. It's it kind of it kind of sucked to see at the time because I liked that there was always something different than WWE. I mean, at least for me, uh, in on TSN, Monday Night Raw was always live, so I never missed Raw. But when WCW aired the replays, I also almost never missed WCW. Although sometimes I would, I would have to tape it, or some, or they would have like a replay on Wednesday night. So it, it did the trick, and I uh, went to the trouble here of consulting the internet and possibly mostly a bit of cultaholic for some really good. WCW matches that I think everyone here should seek out. And then this is from Nitro, like Nitro only, because if, if this was WCW itself, I could go back to I was watching like Starcades from the 80s and my god, they were stacked. They were pretty good. So, of course, we have uh, the Hogan Sting feud. Uh, I won't recommend their match from Starcade. I'll just recommend if there's a compilation you can, hey, look, Go through this. Look through their feud. Uh, Hogan and Goldberg, which we actually covered that fairly recently from that Nitro. And that whole episode of Nitro, I actually do recommend because it's got some got some pretty good action, including uh, one Chris Jericho. Uh, we have uh, Kidman versus Hoovy from 1998 in a Cruiserweight title match. Savage versus Flair in 1996. I believe that was for the WCW title. Ray versus Dean from might have been Bash at the Beach actually I can't, I can't remember it might have been Hogwild but sometime in '96 Ric Flair versus Eddie Guerrero for the U.S. title Wow uh, then I had the aforementioned uh, Hart versus Benoit and if you want something with the aforementioned Young Dragons versus Three Count they did have a ladder match at Starcade 2000 which. It's worth a shot. If you have, I think it was on like one of the ladder match DVDs that WWE made. And yes, it even had that, uh, uh, what, what's his name? That Eminem guy, uh, Joey Mercury's, uh, like oh, notes right. exploding. It, it had, all I remember was it had that on the DVDs. I'm like, I never saw this match because I, I was a big fan of London and Kendrick as tag champs, but. Yeah, that, that that one's on there. Oh, I think I... And of course, what I talked about earlier with Bret Hart and Goldberg. Uh, don't look at that one match, but the time that Bret Hart had the suit of armor under the jersey was amazing. Night, night. Yeah, and, and uh, we don't need to mention it, but Born Out of Nitro was uh, Thunder... Uh, what are some moments on Thunder that we can think of? Arquette. Yes. Oh. That moment. I think, was it on Thunder? I think, I, I think Arquette winning the title was, was actually on a Thunder. I, and, and that was a show that never had, like, title switches, ever. <laughs> Until that fateful night. Uh, wasn't that also a show that we had, uh, fuck it, that Chucky... Feuding with like Rick Steiner or something like that. That, that was Nitro. Oh, okay. uh, Chucky appeared on the Titantron in. I remember it was it was like ninety. It was around the same time Warrior came back, so it was in ninety eight. It was <laughs> also for Halloween Havoc. Who did Rick Steiner wrestle at Halloween? Scott. 
like, or did he wrestle Scott? I can't remember, but I know I Rick Steiner wrestled at, at Havoc. We reviewed this. And, I know we uh, did, yeah. Why? They, they were plugging, what was it, Bride of Chucky. Uh, why was an animatronic doll on, this is stupid. Yeah, but the WWE had Muppets. That was fucking awesome. It was, it was and I mean... They, they made it funny, but, I mean, for this, it was just oddly placed and just did not make any sense. In all honesty, it probably hurt Rick Steiner more than anything. It probably hurt Chucky, too. Oh, because he... What has he had since Bride of Chucky? I can't remember because I haven't seen any of them. Fair enough, fair enough. I mean, the new Child's Play remake was nothing really to even enjoy. Except for a couple kills, but that's about it. It was just... They re- they remade it. Yep, and uh, do you want to know who was uh, who was voicing the Chucky doll? Please tell me. One Mark Skywalker Hamill. Oh, 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 Luke. Oh, oh, Joker. Why? And, and he and I love Mark Hamill. I think he does some really good th- things with, as you mentioned, Joke and Luke Skywalker. This was one of those things where it's like, I don't see this on the top of his resume. I, I, re- I really don't. And to be fair, I can't really say it. But I, I see him putting uh, Larry the Robot from Time Squad over this Chucky remake. <laughs> oh my god, that's a reference. <laughs> For those of you that caught that reference, give yourself a good pat on the back. <laughs> I haven't heard that in a while. Wow. Uh, Mark, Mark Hamill and so many other people were definitely part of our childhood. But that's for another time. We're going to take a quick commercial break. And then when we come back, we're going to be talking about some more wrestling because we damn well can. Deal with it, bros. What's up, folks? This is Mr. Fretz from the Game Changer Podcast, here to tell you about my Patreon show, the 20 Bell Salute, where I go back 20 years ago each month in wrestling and pop culture. What movies were out, what video games we were playing, what music we were downloading on Napster, and what wrestling pay-per-views took place that month in WWE and what other promotions happen to still exist at this time. So join me in my Y2K-compliant DeLorean as I go 20 years into the past on the Wrestle Addict Radio Patreon. Join us for only five bucks a month. I'm Wild. And I'm Randy Fitzsimmons, and this is the Game Changer Podcast. Yeah. 
I'm not gonna lie, guys. I I really enjoy, enjoyed the Wolves and TNA. They were they were a really cool tag team. They also put on like a hell of matches with the Hardy Boys and Dudley Boys. If you have not gotten a chance, check those out. They're they're gold. Welcome back to the Game Teacher Podcast. I'm Nate. He's Fretz. Uh, so quite a bit for us to still talk about. I know that we have some New Japan stuff to talk about. I will also say that I did attend my first wrestling show since the pandemic. Uh, this past Sunday, it was an ACW show at Tanner's, and it was still a pretty solid show. We had uh, Logan Lynch versus Adam Grace, which kicked off the show. It was absolutely phenomenal. Um, they had a pool party death match with uh, Wild and Randy taking on the team of... Yes, you heard me right. I will explain more in depth about this. Unless you've seen my videos and sh- shit on Instagram, ladies and gentlemen, you will definitely want to experience that part being a pool party death match because it is something to behold. Um, yeah, yeah, it was the Wild and Randy taking on Steve Sawyer. Well, I'm going to call him Steve. Don't call him Tom Sawyer. <laughs> <laughs> and King Kong Bundy Jr. being a.k.a. Shane Hills. And it's really funny because he has been getting a lot of comments about him actually looking like a mini King Kong Bundy, and he actually takes that as a high praise and high compliment. So shout out to Shane Hill. You're fucking amazing. Um, main event was a three-way matchup between Nick Colucci, Salem Crane, and uh, Joey Avalon for the Water City title. Absolutely great. I had, like, a bit of the finishing sequence recorded. It's up on in- my Instagram right now. Check it out at Nate Effing Nate Great. It's it's great. It's absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I will also tell you guys this, that I have been... I'm not going to even say asked. I have been told that I'm going to be doing commentary for their next show in August. So, <laughs> it's one of those things that I literally told this to WrestleLadic Radio. And I'll tell you guys, basically, it was one of those things where... Uh, I talked to talked to Josh, and he basically is pointing at the things like, "Yeah, I'll be there." And basically, it was a situation where it's like, "Oh, we're not asking you to do commentary. We're we're, we're telling you at this point, you're doing commentary," <laughs> which is hilarious. Uh, yeah, like I said, there was like six people, including one of the owners, that definitely thought that I had a great performance on there. I literally did make a joke and crack at uh, Josh and sa- said, "I see what you did there," and he just she just chuckled like, "You're an idiot." <laughs> Just because I'd hey Nate the effing great, great job. I could I couldn't help myself. It's it's kind of one of those puns that are just really great. Just like the bear joke is awesome, King Ricky, you're a liar. Sorry, I had to get that off my chest. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> what? Oh, you, you you don't remember the uh, the King of the Ring uh, episode where Kate and Ricky are talking about the bear joke? <laughs> It's going back a ways, but I'll, oh I'll, I'll I, need I, a refresher. It's it's one of my favorites. It's literally Kate Murphy talking about the bear joke because it's absolutely great. And honestly, just just ask Kate Murphy to tell you the bear joke. I can't do it justice. Only Kate Murphy can. Um, but King Ricky says the bear joke joke is dumb, and Kate Murphy does take offense to that because. Uh, Kate Murphy and I definitely do enjoy quite a bit of the bad jokes, so much so that I did try to do that on Facebook a couple times, where a certain somebody continues to basically heckle me for putting up those jokes. I wonder who that could possibly be. He could not be possibly in the Great White North. 
Who me? I mean, I could have. <laughs> I mean, it's either you, Slack, or Danny at this point. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Unless uh, someone's high, unless uh, someone else snuck across the border because, well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the other, oh, the other Skywalker. Yeah, if she, if she would have snuck across the border just to do that, that would be one of those things. Where it's like, wow, talk about commitment to Canada. <laughs> I know, and uh, stay, stay in America, please. As much as I would love to have some people visit, uh, no, not, not, not right now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I will say one of the craziest bumps in that, uh, in, in the, uh, the, the pool party death match was. Uh, they put charcoal on a blanket, and somebody was going to get slammed through it. Uh, well, it turned out Steve Sawyer was going to be that person. He got slammed through uh, onto that charcoal, and I looked at his back. It was like, oh, he had some black marks on there from the charcoal. Definitely could tell that there was going to be some bruises on there. That just, and I even I even made, made the comment, and this is going to be something I might just put up on Twitter just for everybody's enjoyment. Which is worst? Landing on charcoal or landing on thumbtacks? You be the judge. Charcoal, eh? <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Damn it! I do remember that. I do remember that. Oh my god! I do. I do remember that. I just. Listen, there's been no mistake. I sent you. Uh, I was going for a blah co- compilation, but it's got too much dialogue. <laughs> One what? of my friends, uh, yeah, my coworkers, can do a can do a spot on a spot on Hank Hill. Nice. And yes, when I was a kid, they called me Bobby Hill. <laughs> you okay, Dad? <laughs> Which is funny because I, any anytime I, I hear, I, <laughs> anytime I see local dad, <laughs> I don't know you. <laughs> I don't know you. Oh my gosh! It, it's one of those things where. Uh, I've reached a point now where anytime I see a wrestler here uh, known as Local Dad, I always call him Local Dad. <laughs> it's hilarious. I'm sorry. It happens, but I just... I, I'm, I'm weird. I don't care. Uh, here in Canada, you know, up here in Canada, we don't have a dad. We have a dad. Hey, dad! Hey, dad! Google, okay, first off, Letterkenny, uh, if you have Hulu, go watch it, the entire series, it's funny, but there's also a YouTube compilation called Letterkenny Problems, which the show is derived from, it's very, if you're from a farming town, well, namely from southern Ontario, you'll get a lot of the jokes here if, if you're from Canada, but if you come from a small farming town that, up, up your way, you will appreciate it, I'll just say that. Oh, definitely. So... We, last week, actually suggested some uh, shows for each of us to watch. Uh, Mr. Fretz, you had me watch full, the remainder of Fully Loaded 2000. I, it was great. That was actually really absolutely phenomenal. I still am kind of on the eh side when it comes to, like, the, the outcome of, like, the main events because I kind of see what they were doing, but at the same time, it was kind of one of those things where it feels like Foley was protecting his buddy Rock from losing the title. It just was one of those things where I was like, eh, uh, okay, this uh, this kind of this kind of happened, but it is what it is. Uh, Rikishi versus Val Venus was still Jesus, please that that match itself just made that entire show, and Jesus, I, I, I just more more of that, please, 
Oh, just watch SmackDown where they literally kill each other. Oh, you're right. That was a thing. Oh, my gosh. Triple H and Jericho, last man standing. Just, oh, my gosh. Mm. Fully Loaded 2000 was just a great show. That was just top to bottom amazing. I apologize. I did not have the time to watch SummerSlam 04. Uh, I, I'm working loads, so... Fair enough. Fair enough. So, I, so maybe, I, we'll, I put, maybe we'll put this, this idea on hold for the time being. Or, or we can just say if you have time. But I remember... I've watched SummerSlam 94 a few times, so I do remember it. One of the things that really... That I, I can just remember off the top of my head right now is a six-man tag match between... Uh, Billy Kidman and Paul London, who were the SmackDown tag champs who upset the Dudley Boys, teaming with Rey Mysterio to go up against the Dudley Boys, including Spike. You had Edge coming back to his hometown uh, in an intercontinental triple threat with Batista and Randy Orton. Edge no, Jericho. <laughs> what? Jericho was in that match? Yeah. And it was Edge, Jericho, and... Wait, was Randy Orton not the champion? No, he was in the main event. So it was Jericho, Batista, and Edge. And Edge just getting booed to crap. Maybe mostly because they were tired of his shtick, or he was coming out to his original You Think You Know Me because the license with Rob Zombie expired, and they haven't called Ultra Bridge yet. Uh, but then the rest of 04, you had a really, really bad match between Taker and JBL. But oh God, you had a historic moment that I hated for years and years. And that was Randy Orton becoming the youngest WWE champion ever, oh. defeating uh, have, uh, big gold champ Chris Benoit. And a really, really good match. Although I, I didn't, as I said, although I didn't watch it, like, I still. I can bring up memories off that off the top of my head. Uh, I was watching a lot of other wrestling this week, including uh, Dominion and... Was that it? Yeah, because this weekend is anniversary, and I might not get to watch it live, but whatever. Yeah, no fair. Uh, I honestly thought that when you were talking about the most disappointing thing of the entire night was the point where Eugene lost his first matchup on pay-per-view against Triple H, but, I mean, that that's just me, though. That's just me. That's just... One of my favorite guys of all time. Or Divas Dodgeball. Oh my gosh, Divas Dodgeball. One of the greatest concepts that Vince Russo never came up with. <laughs> and I swear Vince Vaughn should have made an appearance there because I think that was around the time Dodgeball, a true underdog story, oh, was you, coming out. You know, you're right. That would actually make sense why they did that. And it would also make sense because uh, Hardcore Ho- Crash Holly's theme is in the movie. In uh, a certain part, I think it's like when the Girl Scouts were coming up to face them. But also that same thread of music was also used in uh, pornographic films. Same thing with NWO. Oh, sadness. Um, yeah. So for uh, possibly, yeah, we'll de- we'll definitely put this on hold for for right now. But uh, so, so many other great events that we'll definitely have to be covering in the in the future. Because we are just that amazing. Um, but yeah, you had quite a bit to talk about as far as New Japan. I'm kind of excited to talk about this too because, oh boy, this is juicy. This is juicy. 
Yeah, so for those of you who I, I, who haven't watched any New Japan in a while, I suggest you turn this off right now, go watch it, and then also go back and listen to uh, Zach of the Young Lions Perspective podcast, who had a came back from vacation, brother. I uh, glad you did well. Hope your vacation was was fantastic, and it's great to have you back in the fold. Uh, shout out to Zach, big big uh, cheers with my white claw out here to Zach, and uh, so. The the, the uh, Super J Cup has been going on the past little while. I did manage to watch nights one and two, uh, which didn't take place in front of a crowd. And Dominion and Osaka Joe Hall did took place in front of about mm, five hundred people. There was a bit of a capacity there. Uh, they there, they did have fans there during the uh, Super J Cup finals, which were between Evil from Los Egronobles de Japan. Sorry if I butchered that. Against Naito, also of Los Angeles. Now, Naito is, of course, the Intercontinental and IWGP heavyweight. Is that? Yeah, uh, that's how you say it. Uh, heavyweight champion. He won both the titles, of course, at Wrestle Kingdom this year. Uh, took place across two nights. Wrestle Kingdom was top notch shit. And, you know, we also had, you know, Jushin Thunder Liger's retirement was. Was at this pay per view, so that that one, uh, Wrestle Kingdom. So your finals, as I said, your finals were Evil and Okada. Yeah, that's gosh, no, the title match was Evil and Naito, and I just spoiled it. <laughs> Anyways, Okada, and uh, when I saw Okada go to the finals, I'm just like, oh my god, here we go again. Okada's going to go to the top of New Japan again. Not that I don't like the guy. I kind of want to see someone else in the main event, and we did. Evil wins with Everything is Evil and STO. And he had this amazing historic moment, which I saw on probably on my Instagram from I Don't Know Who. So Los Aganobles have a salute. It's just kind of like a fist bump kind of up here. Not with... Not kind of like a traditional fist bump, but you, know, you raise the fist here, kind of like the nation, and the guy does it in front of him here. But then, Evil did this. He put up the bullet club horns in the Losa Granoli salute. Boom! Hits an STO. Everything is evil. He turns his back on Losa Granoles. And Naito, and Sonata, Evil and Sonata being one of the best heavyweight tag teams that New Japan has had in a long time they had a they had a hell of a run they probably would have wrestled guys like the Bullet Club ironically now Evil joined the Bullet Club and then here we have uh, uh, the Dominion I'm not going to go through the entire results here but I'm just going to highlight a couple of matches here we had Hiroshi Tanahashi and Kota Ibushi defending the Tag Team Championship against Tai Chi and Zack Sabre Jr. Um, I'll just say that uh, there are new champions here, Sabre Jr. and Tai Chi. Amazing tag team match. If if you know how Zack Sabre Jr. works, very stiff British style, very submission heavy, strike heavy. They stretched out these guys, and I think that, you know, Former tag team partner of Koto Bushi, Kenny Omega, would be proud. He had a bunch of, he had a really good, like, a, like all the stalwarts were like Ishii, Okada was in this match in a tag team match. But then he had the double title match. 
with Tatsuya Naito defending against the Super J Cup champ, Evil. And, bro, this match is killer. They went about a good 30, 40 minutes going all out. And then in an absolute shocker, just like that, Naito's run is over. Everything is evil. And the newest member of the Bullet Club, with a familiar face coming out to aid him, this fellow comes out in a mask, and I think he distracted Naito, hits the STO, unmasks, and it's Dick Togo, like a retired Japanese wrestler. And if you know that name, if you know that name and he sounds familiar to you, well, go back to the uh, 1998 to the Choppy Choppy the PP incident. Dick Togo was in Kayentai in the WWE back before Kayentai was just Taka and Funaki. This was this was Show Funaki, uh, Dick Togo, Men's Teo, and Taka Michinoku. All Japan stalwarts and Taka, who would be wrestling at All Japan, didn't at this show. Uh, was awesome. Like seeing Dick Togo was an absolute shocker. This. This is a guy you should be looking at, like old matches at, because he was amazing. So, yeah, New, New Japan had some great shockers. You're building up some new stars, like Naito and Evil is a title feud. I can see, I can see them switching the title back to Naito again, and having them having like a good run because it's awesome to see. Because Evil was known as more of a tag team guy. Now, I'm not the. If you want to talk like hardcore New Japan, you know, Zach's your guy. And maybe even people like Baller Club guy or, uh, yeah, yeah, like Zach. He's he's hard he's hardcore and very good, very in depth review of it. I'm not going to go through the rest of the results or the rest of the Super J Cup. They're they're worth look, uh, looking at at by themselves. And not only did we have that, I mean, this week was Fight for the Fallen. We had another NXT, which both were pretty good. And we're getting spoiled again because this weekend we have Slammiversary and the horror show and Extreme Rules. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, that, that, that's this Sunday? That is. Oh, my gosh. That, that, that's just dawning on me right now. That, jeez Louise. I, uh... I don't know what to say. I'm speechless. Now it's like, ah, oh, damn it. We got to do predictions for that then, too. Well, I'm pulling up the card for Slammiversary. Right. So we can So we can at least uh, attempt that. Now, I've been watching and also moderating the chats in a lot of uh, live streams featuring uh, someone that you and I both know. that Well, he used to be on Russell Attic Radio during the Ant Days, and that's, of course, J-Bone from Smash This Podcast. Mm-hmm. So... I was just tuning into one of his streams before I got in here, so shout out to J-Bone. He's been a really good brother. He's been plugging us. He's been plugging uh, Game Changers. He's been plugging Fretzelmania, so it's uh, really good to see. He's another Wisconsin guy, too, so what is it with me in Wisconsin? I, I don't <laughs> know, man. We have, we have here... So well, we, we can predict who the mystery of what? I was going to say, before we get too deep into this, I definitely do want to preface this on people... That I've done predictions for Slammiversary already. If you haven't gotten a chance to listen to the show with myself and Mr. Joshua Yega for the former uh, Pro Wrestling Off Topic, definitely check that out. So here's what I'm going to do for this. I'm just going to quickly go through 
uh, the predictions that we went through. The only thing that was an addition was that tag team matchup, the uh, Rascals versus TBD. Uh, Unfortunately, now it's kind of one of those things where I'm just like, damn it. This is where we're going to see Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows. They're going to come in. They're going to win. That's where I see that. Uh, I got Moose going over Dreamer, the North going over Ken Shermack and Sammy Callahan. I still think that uh, Carl uh, Anderson and Gallows are going inter- to are going to interfere after the matchup and set up the North versus the Club, which I'm okay. Whether or they call, call themselves the Brotherhood, for all we know. Uh, the Gauntlet for the Gold. I have Susie winning that one X Division Title match. I have Willie Mack going over. I have Jordan Grace going over. And then the main event uh, for the four in the four-way uh, title match for the world title, the second world title because the true title is the TNA title. Let's face it. Uh, I have EC3 returning and winning the title, which I'm okay with. So, Mister Fretz, th- give us your predictions. Well, I'm looking at pred- almost going to predict like you know who else might show up, and I think we're going to see like. Uh, Eric Young, maybe as Super Eric. Uh, EC3, I think, is uh, almost set in stone, almost a guarantee. I think he is going to walk out as as Impact World Champion at, at this event. But we could see, like, you know, if we see Super Eric and ODB, uh, I, I, I will laugh. If I see great. Eric in Team Canada, I will probably cry. Uh, and then, you know, uh, start waving a Canadian flag around uh, around Skype. As I said, I'm not going to watch this live. I'm probably going to have to find, uh, find a completely legal way of watching it on Sunday night after work. But that's extreme rules. I don't know what I'm going to watch. <laughs> I'm working late all the time anyway, so. Yeah, I, I, I have here uh, uh, EC3 coming in and winning the championship. I want to go with Dreamer, but, you know, Will kind of said it on Kings of the Rings best. Yeah, they actually talked about Impact. Uh, it's, there's just something about seeing Tommy Dreamer get murdered. And I love Tommy. I mean, Tommy did a cameo for me on 20 Bell a few months ago. I love Tommy, but I think Moose is just going to spear him literally in half. Uh, Jordan Grace over Deanna Perrazzo. Uh X Division Championship. I think Chris Bay is going to win it here. I'm not really familiar with him, anyways. I'm just predicting a new champion just for shits. <laughs> the North is going to retain, and yes, it is absolutely my Canadian bias showing. Uh, I love Ethan Page, Josh Alexander. I'm not familiar with. I haven't watched. Imp- I watched Impact this week. Like I saw the uh, Rhino versus Hernandez uh, backlot brawl, and I saw a women's match where. Susie, I didn't know that Susie was too young until uh, J Bone brought it up in, on a stream, and uh, she, she hit the uh, what was Sue Young's finisher called? I, I I don't really remember the name, but I know it was like a Samoan driver of sorts. Yeah, well, Susie beat uh, pinned whoever it was. Uh, I think it was like Haley Ray with. With that, I think they call it shock treatment, something like that. But then Susie hit that move and then kind of started twitching a little bit. And I'm just like, I'm looking, I'm like, what the hell is wrong with her? And then, um, you know, smash this podcast. It's like, oh, yeah, we're, we're totally going to see uh, Sue Young. And I, I piped up, like, and Rosemary's going to be in this match, too, against Sue Young and a wide variety of... Of, of other talented ladies. 
Jessica Havoc, Alicia Edwards, Kimberly. You know what? I'm gonna go for. I'm probably gonna go for Susie too. But I think she's gonna like either come out as full on Sue Young, or like kind of like snap and morph into that. And the Rascals. It's 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 Bullet Club. I mean, it, it, it's the brothers. Yeah, I think it, I think it is pretty obvious at that point. But uh, let's talk. Uh, Briefly about extreme. No, it's not even Extreme Rules. It's been renamed the Horror Show at Extreme Rules. Wow, make me less invested in this event, why don't you? Uh, we have the United States Championship match. Apollo Crews taking on MVP. I will say that the United, the new United States Championship, not bad. I kind of dig it. Love it. Uh, MVP. He's my. I'm, I'm picking him. I, I think it's going to be Cruz. Cruz, are you ready for the smiling boy? <laughs> Get it? Because he always smiles. It. If any of you are not laughing, screw you. That's funny. Turn uh, heel. <laughs> I I would kind of like to see a Paul Cruz turn heel. That would be pretty amazing. Um, we have the eye for an eye matchup. The match can only be one. When one competitor extracts an eye from their opponent, yeah, I don't see that happening. It's Rey Mysterio versus the Monday Night Messiah, Seth Rollins. This is one of those few times where it's like, you have two great guys, and Seth Rollins and Rey Mysterio having a great matchup between these two. And I could care less about this stipulation. (sighs) You know, just, just just because I just don't care about it. And just because he deserves the win, I'm giving it to Rollins. I, okay, this is after listening to Kings of the Rings this morning. I want Pirate Seth Rollins. Oh, you want him to be, oh, damn. I want Pirate Seth Rollins, which means we're going to get the the return of Pirate Paul Burchill and get a great tag team. Yeah, Ray Mister is winning here. Oh, and he's, he's gonna get his. Uh, I just see. Oh wow! I think, uh, Mister Fritz, I think your audio kind of got cut out because now I can't even hear you, man. There it is. There we I, go. I I had to burp, and I oh, thought okay. I actually did it on. I thought I pulled the will and burped into the mic, but I didn't. <laughs> no. you so just, you just burped so I loud that I, the audio just. Disrupted. <laughs> yeah, as I said, I, I want Pirate Seth Rollins. I want Seth Rollins to have an eye patch and then have a tooth versus an eye for an eye. And then if you're going to get into the next part of the Bible verse, a tooth for a tooth match versus Isaac Gankham at SummerSlam. Eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. I'm going to look up the rest of this verse while I try to try oh to uh, make a joke about it. Jeez, he will, he will continue to look more like a pirate if he does these kind of gimmick matches. He'll have an eye patch. He'll be missing a tooth. Uh, there's probably, I mean, let's face it. We're gonna get close to uh, having a Zach Gowan return, and it's gonna be a leg for a leg matchup where he gets the back leg deal. Hey, leg on a pole. Oh my gosh, that's so stupid. Oh my gosh, Rollins, you deserve so much better, even if you are a dick. Uh, next up, we have the Wyatt Swamp fights. Braun Strowman versus Bray Wyatt. Uh, the Not the fiend Bray Wyatt, but Spooky Duck Dynasty Bray Wyatt. 
the original Bray Wyatt. Everybody came to know and love who just, in the words of Adam Blompier, you can just make up words with Bray Wyatt. You can just make up words. <laughs> um, Braun's winning. I see Braun yep. winning, and then we're going to see the Fiend at Fiend and uh, Strowman at SummerSlam. Yeah, yeah, they're they're doing the three faces of Foley here with uh, with Bray Wyatt. But what about Husky? No. Oh my God! Um, Husky's the pig, and freaking Bray Wyatt are working out. He just goes back to being Husky. Just talks about his boots. I'll be like, kill me, <laughs> just kill me. I don't need yeah, to see that. I don't need to see NXT Bray Wyatt. No. uh... Cult leader Bray is going to go back to the swamp, and this only invokes the fiend, and we get the fiend getting his title, its title back at SummerSlam. I'm like fine, I'm okay with it, but no, Bray should be treated more like an attraction at this point because he is the the fiend. The fiend should be treated more like an attraction because you have his alter egos are. I, I respect the fact that they're prominently featured. That's awesome. And then when we're getting to a big five pay per view, all of a sudden, okay, here's the fiend. Like if if we had crowds, because SummerSlam is going to be at the Performance Center, and it looks like uh, WrestleMania won't be in LA next year either, mm-hmm. allegedly. So I'm, I'm pissed about and, that. And, and that. I'm that, so pissed. That, yeah, th- that's a bummer. I was thinking about uh, COVID. Be damned. I was actually thinking about going next year, but. I am not leaving the country until there is a vaccine and until uh, there is a new president and the border can actually be opened safely. Uh, Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So we got one half of the the Karen and boss connection, Bailey defending her. You're welcome. (laughs) Defending her SmackDown Women's Championship against Nikki Cross. I want, I want, I want NXT Nikki Cross, where she literally just goes crazy and just always begs the question, "Play with Nikki, play with Nikki." Just, I want that so bad. I'll play with you, Nikki. She just, and not that way. <laughs> I'm about to say you'd have to deal with her husband, Killian Dane. Just remember that. Yeah, he trimmed down. That guy is ripped. I, I need to look that up now. Well, I'll look that up later on. But, uh, Mr. Fritz, who have you got for this matchup? Uh, uh, Bailey's retaining. We're, we're still getting the slow burn for, for Bailey and Sasha. Maybe there's, like, in either of the matches between the Boston Hugs, we're going to get some kind of uh, fail, failed or almost failed distraction spot. So, is, th- is there no pay-per-view before SummerSlam? Is this... Yeah, it's July. This is, this they're, is it. they're only doing... They're doing one a month now, thank God. They're not doing one like every other week. Yeah. Thank you, Brand Split. Brand Split my pants. Uh, yeah, we're having... <laughs> that is the greatest pun of this entire show. Brand Split my pants. <laughs> and you can't see my lower half. You can't tell what's down there. <laughs> I Never mind. Uh, no, I'm in agreement that uh, Karen's going to retain. Bailey! Bailey's going to retain. Sorry. That's, for those of you that don't know, that's the ring joke between me and a couple of people in the uh, Kings of the Rings chat. Alert, alert. I guess I better, uh, here, uh, I better just, there you go, 
Okay, Karen, I got my mask on. <laughs> nice. Now's a, now a, a good chance to take a snapshot because my hands are full. Well, oh, that is true. Um, up next, we do have the... God, I cannot believe that I can't do this guy's stuff. Oh, wait, no, I can. I'm just going to look like a weird dude that's looking over a hand or some shit. Whatever. Uh, Raw Women's Championship matchup. Asuka taking on Sasha Banks. This should be a good matchup. This is one of those things where it's like, okay, th- this is a matchup I'm kind of excited for. Because Asuka, Sasha, they can put on a hell of a matchup. Oh, absolutely. And this was also a matchup that uh, caused Asuka to go away for a little while. Oh, um, that is true. Yeah, it's like, I don't know if it was she was hurt or if she <laughs> went to find her smile. Or something. Like some people were, some internet dicks were speculating. I guess they're trying to draw some comparisons. But I thought it was kind of funny. But I, I, Sasha's my fave, my favorite woman on the roster right now. So as much as I want to see her win it here, she is winning it from Bailey. There, there is going to be some dissension here, and I think it's going to lead to, like, on maybe as soon as Raw next week, we're going to see the the Women's Tag Team Championship change hands, maybe to the Kabuki Warriors. I don't know what Kari Sane's contract situation is like. If not, it'll be to someone like maybe Nikki and Alexa again, or please, the Iconics, please, the Iconics, and do not break them up or I or I swear um, I was trying to do something threatening to my microphone but that's 150 bucks on my <laughs> um, no, let's not do that let's not do that yeah let's just crush this pot this this uh, beer can when it's over but yeah we're getting the slow burn because SummerSlam but there's no crowds hey if they're trying to if they're going to slow burn this for when there's crowds because God knows when that's going to be uh, I'm fine but this has been slow burn long enough and on and off long enough. You know, friggin' Dr. Shelby and, and last year, Bailey just all of a sudden snapping. That should have been the premise right there. They could still be feuding today. But no, no. They're, they're, Oscar's they're, they're, retaining. Yeah, they're dripping that cam down to like the very last drop and it sucks. Yeah, Oscar's retaining. I you you took the words right out of my mouth. Moving on, uh, we have the main event probably, which is going to be Drew McIntyre versus Dolph Ziggler for the WWE Championship in a matchup that is to be determined. In all honesty, I want to see it be like a cage match where we see Drew McIntyre just claymore Dolph Ziggler out of like a cage side, but he still wins. So it's kind of one of those things like they did with uh, not like Brock and uh, Roman, where clearly Roman won, but they had some BS deal where it's like, no, Brock hit first. It's like, both feet had to hit the floor. Roman Reigns won. So shut up. No, Brock what? No, Roman won. That would have been the one thing that probably would have saved that Saudi Arabia show. But you didn't do it. Also, stop doing stuff with Saudi Arabia. They have a bit of a bad track record. I'm just saying. Anyway, Drew's retaining. He's going to murder Dolph Ziggler. This matchup just came out of nowhere for no reason. What's the match type going to be? I Oh, like I said, I th- I'm hoping it's a cage match. Like I said, just that visual of Drew McIntyre just claymoring Dolph Ziggler, kind of like 
through, through the cage uh, cage wall, and then just still winning because yeah, I just maybe I just, maybe I'm just I'm just lethargic and I just want to see Dolph Ziggler just be inflicted so much pain, but I I just want to see that I just want to see Dolph Ziggler get Claymore kicked through the cage wall and still somehow lose. <laughs> Maybe it's just like he like he breaks the wall, but his legs still get caught in the ropes. Kind of like how Owen Hart's foot got caught in the cage at SummerSlam '94. You know that would and be. They bring they bring out the big blue bar cage just for just for uh, shits. <laughs> that would be amazing. So it, it would kind of be like the like, like where uh, Big Show tossed Stone Cold Steve Austin into the cage wall, and the cage wall just like. And Austin just dropped. <laughs> Except Dolph Ziggler that's can't one, do it. Dolph that's Ziggler. one of the last times they used that cage for cage matches. Although they did use the interior of that for the kennel from hell, but that doesn't exist. Uh, I'm going to have a couple of minds here about this. Uh, it's going to be a hair versus hair match. Uh, 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 or... No, th- th- this this would have something else. Uh, there's a bit of a wild card going on here, and that happens to be someone who has had a history with Dolph Ziggler. Dolph Ziggler is going to win the title, and then we are going to get the Otis cash in, and then Randy Orton's going to like beat him on Raw the next night. And it's going to be the Zack Ryder of, of cash-ins. Oh, That's what my God. twisted mind is coming up with. But in my actual pick is going to be uh, McIntyre winning. But it's going to be like kind of like the Edge-Ziggler match from Royal Rumble 2011, where the Claymore kick is going to be banned. But how else can Drew McIntyre win? Uh, have we forgot about this move called the Future Shock DDT? So I, it's gonna it's gonna be something like that. But then they said there's a couple of different ways. Ziegler was saying, shooting his mouth off, saying, "Oh, this is gonna be something that hasn't been done in WWE." And I'm thinking, what hasn't been done? Dear God, don't do a scaffold match. Jim Cornette blowing out both of his knees, falling twenty feet from the Midnight Express. Oh uh, or it's gonna be something completely cinematic and weird. Although there is this Facebook post that a Apparently leaked that it is a uh, don't go chasing waterfalls match. If you get that reference, uh, shout out to you, TLC. Oh, now I got you. Now I got you. Yeah, uh, uh, which I would not be opposed by, but there is the Otis wildcard, but it's SmackDown. Um, last I checked, the Money in the Bank match, which was awesome this year. Not a care what anyone says. Uh, it involved both Raw and SmackDown superstars, so technically he could go and vie for that title. But I still think we're pushing towards Drew and Randy at SummerSlam, so it kind of puts a kibosh in that. So I think with that Otis wild card, he's going to hang on to that briefcase for a while. I hope they don't like Mr. Kennedy edge him with oh, that, geez. or Damian Sandow, John Cena him with that. Or those are the only ones I can think of. Ah, Otis, my boy. Otis is amazing. Bottom line. I think that's how we can end the show. Otis, Otis, Otis. Otis, Otis, Otis is amazing. Yeah.
Yeah. <laughs> oh, I did have something, actually. What's up? Which I forgot about. It's, it's kind of bringing back the random question of the week. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right, has, yeah. This has to do with WCW. Okay. And I'm, kind of, I'm absolutely stealing this from the Cultaholic podcast, but here's the thing. <clears throat> have you seen the movie Ready to Rumble? No. It's still on my list. You're aware of the premise and, and everything, right? And yes. who's in it? Yes, I am. Okay. So imagine, if you will, that it is announced that they're going to do a remake or a modern version of Ready to Rumble. Okay. Who would you have as the wrestler, the super fans, uh, any of the cameos, the company that it's involved with, and the villain go okay well now you're putting me on the spot because of the fact that I mentioned I didn't watch the Ready to Rumble movie but I'm going to still give it a shot um as far as the wrestlers go I would definitely want them to do something different I would actually choose uh you know I'm going crazy with this one I say TNA I think that's going to be the company we'll use the wrestlers from there uh, give them a little bit more of exposure. As far as the super fans go, um, that's a good question. Because I'm trying to think of like some actors that could definitely kind of you know fit the bill and definitely can you know do some actual good fighting or, or um, something like that. Um, oh gosh, I'm, try, I'm trying to think. I think that the that that one guy from. Uh, from SNL, I'm trying to remember what his name was. He was the guy that he's the he's the guy that usually does like the like the teacher trials sketches with uh, where basically he's just talking about how it's like a happy day for him stuff like that. I could see him doing that. Um, maybe throw in a couple of actual huge wrestling fans like maybe there's like uh, Channing Tatum. Maybe there's somebody else in there that can definitely. When they're uh, jo- mm, Jonah Hill doesn't do those kind of stuff movies anymore. Uh, that would be the premise for Twenty Three Jump Street. That would be the pre- <laughs> that would be great. Twenty Three Jump Street Wrestling Edition. That'd be amazing. Oh, um. So that would yeah. I think I think the guy the guy from SNL. I can't remember the dude's name. Um. As far as who would play the villain, uh, I mean it it, it would have to be. Vince McMahon, but that's in a perfect world. Uh, for like a realistic standpoint, I think Matthew McConaughey would be a really good villain in like wrestling terms. So, yeah, Matthew McConaughey for the villain. Yeah, um, I think TNA, like Impact, would be a great place to go. Uh, the wrestler, I think if you get a guy like, um, this is not meant because like the, the 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 guy that plays the ref, I can't think of his name now. But the guy that plays the wrestler in Ready to Rumble, not not a wrestler. I mean that that was one of the one of their first mistakes. But I, I can see a guy like why don't you base it on a guy like Eli, like uh, who's Eli? I, I was gonna say Eli Drake, but who was the old guy on NWA Power who was going for Eli Drake? I don't remember. Okay, so I'll just, just just for because I can't think of his name, I'll just go for Eli Drake. You're super fans. Uh, I, I, as I say, if you get someone who's actually into wrestling, why don't we get people who like are involved in the wrestling review community? So 
because they're hilarious, I think like uh, Jay Hunter and uh, Stephen Rowe from OSW Review, <laughs> although they're not actors, uh, but would be would be great to have in that. But for for for, like, for actual actors, I think like Seth Rogen and okay, who would be who's a really uh, Jay Baruchel from uh, see Jay Baruchel? He was from like Letterkenny. He was from Goon. Uh, a bunch of other Canadian stuff. He's in some episodes of Lighter Candy. Uh, they would be that. Uh, cameos. You, you would have to have some legends, maybe people like Sting. I think it would be hilarious to see, I know, John Cena make an appearance of this because you see John Cena is in the background in the gym working out in, behind Bill Goldberg in, uh, in the original movie. The villain... Benedict Cumberbatch. Ooh, that would be another good one. Yeah. Uh, that, this, that was just off the top of my head because I, I recently watched that movie again and uh, it's very frets at 16. I'll say that. <laughs> frets at 16. I can only imagine what that's like. <laughs> um, Scary. Oh, geez. Spooky, spooky stuff. All right, guys, so that has been this crazy and wild edition of the Game Changer Podcast. You can definitely find us on our Twitters, Fretz at the legendary JF, myself at Real Effin' Game, and definitely check out all of our great people at Wrestle Attic Radio at Attic underscore Wrestle, where you can check out the Young Lions Perspective, the Kings of the Rings, as well as the Delight Show, which they he just released a recent episode. It's definitely worth a listen. Um, definitely check out our t-shirt merch and guys this is one of the things that's for me a huge accomplishment just a few more downloads away from reaching 5,000 downloads definitely want to do something crazy for that but definitely would love to take some suggestions otherwise I might just do a mixed variations of just crazy stuff throughout the month of August to kind of just make up for it, make it something very special. I know that there's some people that have remembered I've done punishments, I've done crazy wild things in the past. Maybe I'll just bring some of that back for everybody's enjoyment and uh, probably for my pain, but we'll see. So definitely be on the lookout for that. So many other great things that are coming up in the forthcoming weeks. I know that I'm in the process of working on a special interview for the next few weeks, but I can't really reveal too much about it yet, so it's going to be on the hush-hush for the time being. Um, yeah, but honestly, next month it's going to be it's going to be crazy. I'm I'm just dawning on the fact right now that in about two weeks I will be thirty. It's really crazy. I know people are just going to say you're not really that old. It's like you're still like a baby. It's like I get it, but still, thirty years of my life have already passed. It's it's insanity. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I, I, I'm well into my 30s, and I can't say that yeah, it doesn't it, it doesn't feel like that much time's passed. Uh, pe- people mistake me for being in my mid-20s, but I'm actually WrestleMania years old. So it's uh, occasionally it dawns on me, like especially when I look back on some retro wrestling, like like. For example, what I do on the 20-bell salute, uh, next month is 
actually pretty low. I mean, this July one, I, I, I recommend if you go back to our Patreon page and my personal uh, anchor.fm slash FRATZLE mania, you will hear about the fully loaded pun intended show of July 2000 because you look at that and, and I think I always try to think about where I am at these points in time. Like, as we go throughout the rest of 2000, uh, there is some actually quite historic moments in my life that take place later in 2000, uh, one of them being my first date uh, and my first relationship, and quite frankly, the only one in my mind that counts. Uh, uh, that long, long story there, but yeah, it's... It's really... It's really uh, I can't think of a word... Like, other word than special when you, when you think wow I've been around this long holy crap and when you realize the things in news and and culture and even the things around you that that have changed in your hometown makes you think it definitely definitely does I do agree with that so guys we are going to head out oh jeez I should definitely mention if you are a member of our Patreon deal you'll definitely Notice that I also have a uh, bit of content that will be there for that. It's going to be my top 10 TNA heel turns. This was honestly a very, very tough list to create, but I did it. I'm proud of it, and it only made sense to do it on the same day as Slimeversary. So definitely check that out, you guys. It's it's pretty awesome. Also, appreciate the hard work that we put in. Um, if you want to be a part of our Patreon, all you got to do is pay one, two, three, four, five buckaroos just to be a part of that and help us keep wrestling real. So for Mr. Fretz, I've been Nate the effing great. It has been a crazy week and next week it's only going to get even more crazy as we look into the man that they call Sting. See you guys next week and just remember, stay safe, be smart respect each other. Talk to you guys later.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.